Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Too Tall For You. Welcome, Kyla, to Too Tall For You. Do you want to just introduce yourself a little bit? Certainly. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Um, My name is Kyla Ritchie. I've been playing volleyball for most of my life. Uh, My mom was a volleyball coach uh, when I was really young, Um, so I was introduced to that at an early age um, and just fell in love with the sport and have been kind of playing since, ever since then. Um, I went to the University of British Columbia. Um, I was really close to going down to the States to play for Washington um, after they won the NCAA championship. Still not totally sure why I didn't, but that's okay. That's another story. And um, decided to stay in Canada. Um, we won five years, um, our national championships in Canada, and at the same time was competing for our national team. And when I graduated, I was with national team full-time as well as playing pro uh, for the last nine years, which is really crazy that it's been that long but um yeah that's the volleyball side of me um and yeah I'm sure we'll have some conversations down the road about other things but yeah that's that's me in a volleyball nutshell (laughs) yeah Kyla's quickly become one of my favorite people to talk to about all things not just volleyball she's I mean it's nice to have someone who has an experience to like go through this with um but yeah I'm excited to talk about pro-life um actually one of my first questions that I want to ask um is do you have any like funny like how's the weather up there stories that's what I want to call it Uh, like do you have anything that crazy that someone said to you because of your height that like sticks out that exact question that you just (laughs) said um I remember distinctly in high school um one of my Friends, who was also a friend of me because he was so <laughs> annoying. He was a smaller, stockier wrestler, and he would always, every day for a certain amount of time, would say these ridiculously like stupid, tall jokes. And <laughs> I remember like, "How's the weather up there?" And it's funny, maybe if you're not going through this for years and years and years, being the tallest in your class, you can't find jeans, nothing fits, all your girlfriends look so cute in these $20 jeans, and meanwhile you're just dying to get one, as we've talked about. Um, So it wasn't funny to me, obviously. (laughs) um, I remember coming home and being really upset, because I think it just kind of set me off after this years and years of like not funny comments that my mom ended up saying something like who's also really tall just you gotta just turn it back on him you know like ask how the weather is down there because for (laughs) sure it's not the same as as where you are so um she said you just have to turn and say something back to them and walk away and that's exactly what I did the next day and he didn't say anything after that in fact he was like oh ouch that kind of (laughs) hurts like are you kidding me you've been saying that to me for weeks now so yeah we kind of stopped the bantering after that but we still are friends so that's good but yeah it's just it's I mean it's constant of like do you play basketball or volleyball how's the weather 
anything like that, like whether they're trying to be nice or just trying to throw you a, a jab, it's, it's definitely interesting how that's just sticks around tall girls all the time. That's a circle. I've, I've actually never really been asked how's the, how's the weather up there. The one I get all the time is, wow, you're so tall. Yeah, that too. And that's like my biggest pet peeve. Like I'm like, it's not a compliment. It's not a question. I'm just like, thank you. Like, I don't know what you want me to say back to that. Yeah, my, once I started telling my husband recently in the last few years that this is what I've, <laughs> I've had to deal with most of my life. Because for men especially, it's like, really a an awesome thing and for women it is too but it just your growth spurt is early on so you're having to deal with a lot of different things than what men are dealing with on a late growth spurt and then they're thrown in maybe into sports and it's awesome and it's great um we've had to deal with this our whole life and some interesting phases <clears throat> and so now he's really shocked when he hears that if it's directed towards both of us because we're obviously a tall couple and so he's started saying things under his breath about, wow, you're so, and then you can say whatever you want, <laughs> but often it's not as appropriate, so we can't say it so out loud. But yeah, it's, uh, it is interesting because tall is a, seen as a positive attribute, but how you say it in this gawking, weird yeah. voice, like a circus animal, that it's not so positive, even though it can be. But it is it is fascinating. So you just have to say it in your head. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna come back to the husband here because that comes down the road. But I wanna ask, like, from the beginning a little bit. When was your growth spurt like in school? Like were you always the tallest one in school and like yeah. Always. Yeah. Always, always, always. Every I don't remember not being tallest in my class. Um so I feel like I was born and had a growth spurt because <laughs> I've just always, always been tall. Always the tallest. Um, there was maybe like a few people in high school, a couple of guys I think that were taller. Um, once I got to high school, but through elementary school, it was always the tallest. And yeah, it, I mean, it's a sad day when you realize that you're tallest and, it's, and it becomes awkward instead of it just being a thing. Um, yeah, great five, six, when you're kind of trying to slouch and then you don't want to be tall, like that's kind of crummy because for sure, like some of your short friends would love to take some of your height. It's just a, um, yeah, a hard thing to deal with at the time, but always been tall. So were there days growing up that you like hated being tall? Yeah, unfortunately. And I hate saying that because it's obviously a part of me now and I wouldn't change that and like have learned to love it, but it has taken... A while just because was always the tallest so was always getting nagged on or at least people would say it like you're so tall even if they mean it as a compliment it was just always a thing um, and for sure it was during just like hitting puberty and you just want to kind of fit in in high school and your your friends are growing boobs and they have the cool <laughs> jeans and you can't fit into the jeans and you definitely don't have boobs yet yeah. so it's everything's just a little delayed and you just kind of feel like the odd person out. Um, and yeah, in high school, I dated a few guys who were shorter than me because that was kind of the only option. So yeah. that was all, that's a whole other yeah, that's whack of things that you just have to kind of deal with, which, and it's not comfortable. It was just a yeah. thing you had to do. Yeah. So I guess for people listening, how tall are you now? Six two. And when did you hit six two? 
Um, probably mid high school. So I guess in the states it's like junior high, like grade ten. Okay. Eleven, yeah. I would say. Okay, that's um, kind of late actually. But six feet for a long okay. time. Okay. That was kind of I think when I entered. I feel like I've been six feet forever. Yeah. And I've dabbled in the six one six two. Right. Range. Nice. Um, do you notice? I mean, like we kind of talked about this. So, like, I guess, what are the things that, um, like, do you notice height? Like, do you notice other people's height more so than your own when you're out and about? If they're tall, I guess, but not really. Like, it's not really a thing that I see, um, which is interesting because that's the first thing people are seeing mm -hmm. for me. Um, but no, I guess I'll, I guess I'll notice maybe if they're like an athletically built female, just because I'm wondering like, um, if, if we're, especially if we're overseas, if they are a professional player and if they're from here, but yeah, it's not really anything. It's not really something that I'll notice, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have any like advice or anything you want to tell younger girls who are like maybe you wish you heard when you were younger that maybe like made you like your height yeah I mean it's definitely such a personal thing because if even if I'm gonna say like just embrace it and love it and like you will love it if you don't now you will eventually but it is hard because again like there's phases of your life where you do just want to fit in and then all of a sudden it changes to like I want to stand out and then that's something that makes us stand out but yeah, I would say, like, the same advice that my mom gave me is that if someone's kind of saying something, even if it's kind of a, a joke, I would I would say that standing up for yourself or saying something like, hey, I know this is a positive thing, but, like, I don't love when you bring it up all the time. Or if, again, like, even a friend is just saying, how's the weather up there? You can, you have my permission to <laughs> <laughs> ask how the weather is down there. But, yeah, I would just say, like, standing figuratively standing tall in in your physical attributes that you have like knowing that that will set you apart and that is really cool thing to have it's just you will get to the other side that yeah. it is like not awkward and not weird um, especially if you're younger growing up okay cool um that was just kind of our intro into tall life but um to get to know you a little bit better we want to do like a rocket round of oh, like scary favorite questions <laughs> yeah so I'm gonna do like 30 seconds 30 45 seconds and just say the first thing that comes to your head for these questions my palms are sweating I know so, <laughs> so if there's anything that you feel like you want to explain we can come back to it after because okay. that's my biggest thing if someone asks me and I want to argue why well you can't you don't have time for that <laughs> you can't okay <laughs> let's see all right are you ready no <laughs> Okay, here we go. Favorite food? Tacos. Nice. Favorite sport? Volleyball. Favorite book? I can't answer! <laughs> Harry Potter. Favorite color? Green. Favorite TV show? Friends. Favorite dessert? Cheesecake is the first thing that came to mind, but I'm not sure if it is. Okay, favorite day of the week? Friday. Um, last thing you bought online? A jacket. Um, how often do you check your phone? Pretty often. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Okay, that was pretty good. <sighs> that was pretty solid answer. 
cheesecake, though. That's cheesecake. interesting. <laughs> I would like to revise. My, I don't know why. Maybe it's just hard to get cheesecake overseas that that's, uh, that's, that's very not popped into my head. But I don't okay. actually know what my favorite dessert is. But That's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, on that note, let's dive into pro-life. <laughs> so how did you start playing volleyball? You said your mom was a coach. So yeah, was she your were, coach? She was my coach up until I graduated high school. Okay. Um, she was my like our school coach and our club coach, and I'm from a really small town, so basically our school team was our club team. And then my very last year of club volleyball, I went in and played on the Vancouver team just because I needed to have um, some, I guess, teammates around me that were super focused on volleyball before I went to university um, as just a personal choice. Because, again, I had been playing with those girls essentially since elementary school. Um, they were my best friends, and we played all the sports, just small-town living. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, she, my mom played volleyball at the same university that I went to. Um, oh, cool. So we grew up going to those uh, games, and we were always supporting that university. And so it was kind of an easy way to for me to follow in her footsteps. But started pretty early, grade four or five, I think we started playing nice and then so you played through high school with your mom and then um college you thought about going to the states but didn't mm-hmm. what do you want to talk about that why <laughs> yeah sure the obviously washington was especially at the time this was maybe well this was a long time ago but <laughs> they were a really big powerhouse school they had some they had amazing coaching staff um there was actually one canadian playing at the time um and so for sure coming down, that's like what, as a Canadian too, that's what you kind of want when you are going to play college in some like really big, awesome school with tons of volleyball fans and everything's kind of catered towards you. That's kind of what I imagined NCAA to be. The only kicker, I guess, was that it makes it more, it's a little bit more challenging to play national team when you're playing NCAA as a Canadian, just because there's so much overlap in the year um we especially now um we have way more ncaa players going down to the states that are canadian but if you're still playing you can't receive funding and you are usually only there for a month or two before you have to go back to preseason in the states um so you kind of miss half of the national team season and i had always wanted to have a big part of national team that was kind of more of my goal than playing NCAA and then pro I guess so that was kind of my focus and it was going to be a little bit more challenging plus my grandmother said she would probably never see me again if I went to the states so that kind of tugged at my heartstrings but every I think I went to three visits and it was always between Washington and UBC and every single time I would leave the university I was like pretty bent on that school and UBC was the last place that I visited so maybe it would have been different had I been Mm. at uh, Washington and done that I maybe would have signed but UBC happened to be my last one Um, and for sure it was maybe like that was also an easy choice like I said I already knew the coach I knew some of the girls that were already there and to go down to the states not many Canadians did at the time so it was kind of a big leap of faith I think I would have had an awesome time had I gone but um can't really complain about my time at UBC also 
So, playing on the national team was a goal of yours. Do you remember, like, <coughs> what, like, when that became a goal? Or, like, it's something at, like, watching the Olympics on TV and you're like, that's what I want to do? Or family talked about it? Like, what made that a goal that you wanted? My dad was on, wrestled for Team Canada. Oh, so he, like, national team was just kind of part of, I guess, our family talk um and so because of that he was a little bit crazy when we were growing up about just training and trying all the sports and being the best um in positive and negative ways but um I was running track and field really early and I remember saying um I wanted to go to the Olympics for track obviously I had a growth spurt so that didn't (laughs) really work but I remember saying that pretty early just knowing that like the ultimate um, tournament, I guess, or all of the best athletes go to the Olympics. So that's what I wanted to do too. So I remember saying that really early. So I think it was part of my vocabulary when I was really young before I had even kind of started to play volleyball. Um, I just knew that that's something that I wanted to do. And to do that, it was representing your country. Um, And as I like learned more about what the national team is and what you're doing and yeah representing your country all over the world like that just obviously is something that's really cool that I had always kind of put on my list of things that I would like to accomplish very cool so what was it like when you made the team or were like officially part of team Canada for volleyball pretty surreal it was actually I made the junior national team in grade in grade 10 and I went to it was actually a local tryout because it was a local Vancouver coach that was I think coaching college at the time so we went I went to a tournament or a tryout at one of the colleges and like wasn't really expecting to make it like it was just one of those things I'm just gonna go and get experience and I was a middle at the time so I actually made the national team as a middle blocker which was interesting and um, yeah I remember coming out of the um, meeting with the coaches saying that they wanted to take me and crying because mm-hmm. I was like, first of all, shocked, but really happy. Yeah. Um, but there was a, another girl from Vancouver who I played with at a university that was the same thing. And I remember like jumping up and down, like hugging, crying her with her. And then our moms were there who became like really good friends. Um, and everyone was just like really shocked and giddy. <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty an awesome moment for sure yeah it was fun so like that started the pipeline and you're just kind of in with the team as you got older and then uh what was like your first experience with the national team like competing wise yeah the the first few years with junior national team was more we did a a tournament in the states um and down in Mexico I think it was and then after my first year university I made the senior team and yeah since since then have made it most of the time you're having to go try out but often if you've been on the team you're kind of just there as a I guess a little touch-up if you're coming from pro or coming from university um, but definitely they've like secured kind of the, the core group and it's dependent on what the year looks like if we're taking a B team or a junior team or just a development team. Um, But every year there's kind of Pan American Cup, which I know US sends a lot of their younger team 
uh, down to that. Um, but I think it was there that was my first time standing with the senior A girls. Um, and a lot of them were just, again, so good. And I was the 18 year old girl that was just there for kind of experience. But um, I just remember like soaking it all up and like national anthems playing, which I had heard before with the junior team. But that was kind of when you're with your friends and you're, um, and it's a different kind of surreal experience. And this one, you're with people who you look up to and respect so much and you're just kind of standing there as a little young thing like wondering what the heck is going on but it was really awesome and like even every year moving forward as my role has changed on the national team it's still a pretty awesome experience to have just standing there with the team that you're going to battle with and hearing national anthem play yeah, you go from hearing it growing up, and then all of a sudden you're standing on the sidelines to a match with Canada on your jersey, and you're like, I'm representing this country, and like, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, so, you got those experiences with the national team growing up, and then got through university, and then pro happened. So, how did, how did pro life start for you? Pro happened. <laughs> <laughs> pro. Um, yeah, that's kind of the volleyball cycle, I would say. Um, because it was with national team, it's just, I would say, required of you to be playing pro during the year. And if you are with the national team, it's just something that you want to do if you're wanting to um, expand your volleyball skills and go out in the world. Um, that's just something that we'll do after we graduate college. It's just, it's national team in the summers. And then when you don't have university anymore, then you're into the pro life. And... My first year actually started a little bit rocky. I had um, signed with a pretty big agent in Italy, um, recommended by Sarah Pavin, and I think she put in a good word for me, which she doesn't do, so I was like also thrilled and was thinking it was gonna be awesome and everything was great. For and people who don't know, will you, uh, who is Sarah Pavin? Sarah Pavin is one of the greatest volleyball players <laughs> of all time. Um, she actually, she's a Canadian from Ontario who played in Nebraska and had a really um, awesome time there. She played with Jordan Larson, captain of the USA team, and then had um, some stellar years overseas in Italy uh, and in Korea, Brazil, and now she's ranked number one on the beach volleyball side of things so yeah she's a pretty legit <laughs> she's legit and so awesome so I got to play with her indoor for a couple of years on the national team when I was young so again like ate up everything she ever said to me and um, so yeah she had an agent from Italy put in a good word he said he would take me on but I was kind of like I didn't know anything about anything and the agents and how it works and how you get on a team. So I was just, I remember waiting and thinking that he was gonna send me an email the following week and tell me where I was going. At least come up with some cool sparkly offers and nothing came. And I remember like months later asking or sending an email just seeing what the heck is going on. And of course, like in an agency, again, which I didn't know, there's often like one head guy that maybe you're talking to, maybe you're not, but then there's lots of other people that are working for him or for them underneath him. So for sure I was pawned off to somebody else. And it was kind of like the 
little fish in a big, big, massive <laughs> pond. And I just hadn't heard from him. And I think it was, I was too little a fish in too big a pond. And I think, Rom I remember Romania being tossed out. And I think it was Sarah being like, mm, maybe not for your first year. <laughs> And I just hadn't heard from him and that like it was crickets and I would try to contact him and nothing, nothing, nothing. So I actually ended up switching agents at the end of the summer after I had no offers and I had no idea what was going on. Um, so I changed agents to another Italian and I actually had him for the next few years in my career. And I ended up staying in the fall and training with my university um, team, which was at the time, like kind of humiliating because it was supposed for me, I had just had this stellar university career. I was on the national team and all of a sudden it was time for me to go play pro and I had zero offers. Um, and just didn't know what to do. I was like kind of doing two weeks at home, two weeks in Vancouver where my college was and training. And my new agent had said like, we're way too late. Like, there's no way we're going to be able to get you on a team. It's already September. Um, we'll probably have to wait until Christmas for the second half of the year unless someone gets injured and they'll pull you. But again, it's your first year. So to not get you through the door right away is really is really tough. So I remember, like, having this breakdown that my world has, like, I'm at rock bottom. I think I had, like, broken up with my boyfriend at the time. I had no pro future career plans. I was with my university, so I was walking on campus and people were like, hey, didn't you graduate? Or like, hey, what are you doing here? And I just wanted to crawl under a rock and die. <laughs> Little did I know that was absolutely not rock bottom, but again, the grass is always greener and there's just, when there's expectations that you're supposed to be doing something else, you have high expectations. You also don't really know what's going on. You've never done this before. It was really difficult. Um, but I did go at Christmas to Germany and Germany was an awesome first start especially just half a year to get my feet under me uh, I played in Potsdam which is just outside of Berlin so I had some time to go into Berlin and see the city which was really really fun um, but that's kind of how I got into it yeah it was a rocky start and since then like now that I'm a pro vet it's just like so interesting to look back and see like how distraught I was going overseas but all of the experiences that I've had are, are yeah it's just so interesting for sure I mean we've kind of mm -hmm. talked about this like the things that we like put expectations on and then like how they turn out differently like and I haven't been doing this very long but like even looking at like how I started to like it's funny how much pressure that feels when it's like really not that big of a deal <laughs> like Absolutely. There's so many bigger worries once you get here. Absolutely. <laughs> just, you just have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so from that first year, I mean, kind of just talk about what pro-life is like. Just because <laughs> there's so many, so much to it. Like There's so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a very helpful for where to start or anything. But I mean, I mean maybe like timeline, like chronologically, like how you go through it. Like, so you've just signed, now you've gone to Germany, but take it from any team you've been on yeah I think like if you're listening to this and you're from North America <laughs> just know that it is so unbelievably different um, the biggest thing that I had to get 
through, I think, and I had that a little bit with national team, but still it's a little bit different, um, is just that volleyball is a job now. And again, we had been talking about this recently, like once you start getting paid for something, you have to be careful that you're not losing your why or the love for the game because some teammates around you may have or they're doing this out of necessity or they're the money that they have is going towards their family or um, extended family back home or whatever it is like so people are coming to the gym and it really truly is a job for them and they're just clocking in clocking out it has i haven't really been on a team not many maybe just couple one or two in the last nine years that really has like team camaraderie and you're really working towards something kind of bigger than yourself which is kind of what we take for granted in North America and in college like you're playing to represent your your school you're playing with some of your best friends like there's just so there's so much push and positivity and excitement that's coming from that but it's you have to work so hard to get that in pro and sometimes it's not there in a season and it can be just so difficult so the perception of playing pro where it's all sparkly and I guess we see it like well the basketball pros are playing in the NBA so that's what it must be like overseas and you get to travel around and see all these cool places and be famous which is not the case um it's it's just so different and it totally i i tell people that playing pro is like the lottery winning the lottery or losing the lottery where you go they book you a ticket which you probably have to do a million things beforehand and it's all confusing and you don't really know who you're talking to and you have to find your visa and you've never got a visa before you have to go to the consulate they're mean, you usually speak a different <laughs> language. And then you hop on a plane, you have to say goodbye to your family, so you're crying, then you get on the plane, it's also still confusing, you've traveled before, but this feels different. Packed your life in a suitcase or two, and then you get picked up by, this is the most hilarious part <laughs> to me, someone is picking you up from the airport, and sometimes maybe has your picture on their phone, and I've had many times, person that's picking me up like shows me a picture of myself I'm like is this proof that you're this, supposed to pick me up is this you <laughs> because you look similar this is awkward and I always say like it's actually amazing that we all get to a a to b safely because there could be some weirdos in the airport that's like ma'am come with me and you're like sure okay. I guess you're from the club um so usually it's just a driver um, maybe it's your manager picks you up, takes you to your apartment, depending on the day, I guess, maybe you have to go sign some papers or go to the bank or whatever. And you're just thinking like, where am I? What am I doing? I feel scared. <laughs> and, um, and the apartment for me is a huge one. I think the last two or three years, um, were the time, like I wasn't crying when I entered my apartment, the first five or six, I would go in. And they'd say, like, this is your apartment. Okay, maybe we'll see you in two hours for practice um, or however the day is going. And I would just look around and it would be this weird, dark apartment. And, like, you have to turn, like, 14 tabs and buttons on to get hot water. And the light switch is on the other side of the room, outside on the generator. Like, it's just weird. And so I just sit down and have a good cry. <laughs> 
usually haven't slept on the plane and then you have to get ready for practice and then that's a whole other lottery because you're just meeting your teammates and your coaches and I I also say that I hate the first week or two of every pro season because you just don't know who your friends are yet you don't know where the gym is you don't know what your workouts are like um, and like how you kind of fit in so I I hate that first week where it's just a lot of unknowns well yeah it's like not only are you starting a new life a new job like you're trying to figure out the culture of this country that you're living in and you're trying to figure out I mean as simple things that like again like you walk into an apartment building and all the lights are off and you gotta find a light switch instead of ringing someone's doorbell like um (laughs) like simple things like that like it's just a totally different world and a lot of things are it's yeah and I mean it totally depends on I guess which country you're playing but sometimes you have half the team they're foreigners um, maybe only have two foreigners on the team, including yourself, but <clears throat> there might not be a lot of English going on. Um, your foreigners might be from a European country or an Eastern European country where like, they're not, you're not going to vibe with them anyways. So then, okay, your foreigners are now nullified and you don't have any friends. Um, but the hardest part for me too is like, is with those teammates for, I tried to like switch my perspective for them. It's us foreigners coming in onto their team. Maybe they've been there for a couple of years and then we're leaving the following year. So it's also kind of interesting for them to if they're going to want to invest in friendships for us when we're leaving in a year and vice versa. Like we're often only here for a year. So it's it's hard to kind of, um, yeah, solidify those friendships so quickly. Um, knowing that you're leaving but again the teams that I've done that with are of course like the most successful and the ones that you um, have the most fun on if you're just kind of sitting there being like well we're all leaving in x amount of months and we're just gonna again clock in clock out it's an absolutely miserable time but the locals they have their families they have their friends so it's that's why foreigners on your team are like so so helpful that you can just go through these difficult times with and be lost together (laughs) be lost together find the peanut butter together (laughs) so it's uh it's really helpful but it is interesting um how the team comes together and if the team is split onto locals and foreigners or if it's kind of mixed it's it's just really interesting dynamics depending on which kind of country you're in and what your team how your team is made up so i'm curious because i have my own story to this but um I mean, you say you got to your apartment and you just cried. Is there anything that's, like, <laughs> was there anything that was so ridiculous that, like, that made you cry? Like, something that was so dumb that, like, you just, like, weren't prepared for it. Just, like, were so exhausted that you just couldn't handle it. And you just, like, besides, like, missing home and being, like, scared and lost. Like, was there something that happened that you are just, like, I can't deal with this right now and just lost it? <laughs> Often it's just I enter and right when someone leaves, I've just been holding in those tears. So I just explode. Um, but in Azerbaijan, I actually had a really big apartment. Like there was a massive living room and then a kitchen that didn't really have the kitchen necessities and then my bedroom, but everything was like dark wood and pink and doily, lacy, gothic. It was so weird. And then this like tiny, tiny, tiny little bathroom that if like you just think of a, a normal bath, like a claw bathtub it was basically like cut in half and that was like you just had to kind of stand in this small little tub with the handle shower 
put a hand and in the shower. not get it all over the bathtub. I remember like just wanting to have a shower and there was no hot water and I couldn't do it. So I just had a cold shower and cried. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, and it's usually walking into an apartment that is just like dirty and dark yeah. and the club hasn't cleaned it and you can't find anything and it's just you don't have cleaning supplies because you haven't been no cleaning supplies no water you don't have any money no nothing (laughs) you just there's just nothing to do except cry (laughs) so (laughs) clean your apartment with your tears (laughs) so that's usually just you walk in being like i can't survive here for eight months somehow you do but again it takes a lot of cleaning supplies and decor to make you feel like a little bit more of a human, but it off it is that initial shock that always gets me. <laughs> nice. Um, okay, so what has? Can you list off like the places you played and like maybe your favorite country that you've played in? Yes, I can try. I usually forget. <laughs> okay, so first year did my half stint in Germany. Then I was in Turkey. Okay, this isn't gonna go in order because I already forget. Um, <laughs> Okay, just top places, favorite places. Greece. This isn't top. Indonesia, <laughs> Azerbaijan, Italy, Peru, Puerto Rico, here, France. Was that nine? I think so. Yeah. Um, my favorites were I played in Athens and I loved it. I just drove around like a crazy local person and knew all the roads and just was buzzing around all the time. Had a really cool church community outside of volleyball as well, which was really awesome. And Italy was also my, another favorite just because the league was so awesome. The food was so good, but my club didn't pay us. So I ended up having to leave halfway through the season because it wasn't getting better and I just didn't believe that they were going to pay us ever so I left and finished that year in Germany. And for people that are freaking out that's like, <laughs> that's like normal, right? Like that's a casually normal thing in Fortunately, which is also insane. And that's like, of course another thing you don't think of. Like you're just going to go play pro and make millions of dollars. Yeah, you just... think you sign a contract and you're safe, but And it's... even even the contract, yeah, the contract that you sign again, maybe two of my nine years overseas have I left been paid full I just got paid for my second year of pro maybe like eight weeks ago I got the last two months salary from Turkey which was in 2009 or something absolutely ridiculous and they've tried to protect the players a little bit more but it's still you have to jump through hoops you have to pay this person you have to pay this lawyer and For some reason, it's just a thing. You just go and like you have some crazy club owners and managers that come into the locker room after you lose and say, well, that was crap. Like you guys aren't going to get paid this month's salary or we're cutting it in half or this or next month. You're only getting paid 30 percent just because it's like really interesting (laughs) to deal with that. And of course, it's so stressful and somehow they still want you to play well when they're telling you that they're taking away your livelihood so that's a whole other thing but unfortunately yes it's a thing that we have to deal with overseas and like just again constantly fighting with people too that don't have your best interest in heart at heart that are you need 
I need gas in my apartment. I need to be paid like at least the full amount if if it's not on time for the day. Um, yeah, you're just kind of constantly having to take care of yourself, which again, if you're coming from North America, you've just had people that are just there to do that and are always stepping up. And unfortunately, sometimes when you come overseas, there's people that aren't the best. <laughs> so you're just having to fight for yourself, which feels weird at the beginning, as we've talked about, but it's just kind of something you have to do and get used to. So um, earlier, you talked about your husband. So how did you meet your husband? <laughs> Through volleyball. <laughs> volleyball is life. <laughs> volleyball we were both playing on the national team we actually went to kind of rival universities and we're the same age so would have been passing each other um but again they were rival universities so like heck we're even looking at anybody else mm -hmm. so it was after we had both graduated um men's and women's national teams were playing one tournament in eastern canada um I think they were both world championship qualifiers that we were both hosting, which was really fun. Um, I think everyone had too much fun, so the men's and women's teams have yet to come back to <laughs> play together. Um, but yeah, we had initially um, met there, and we had a mutual friend, um, the libero on the men's national team that was one of Rudy's really good friends, was my really good friend in university he was the men's libero so he was able to plant seeds all over and um help us move forward but again rudy and i are both on the national team so both playing pro and when you're starting a relationship you're not i guess moving mountains for one another so it was just where are you gonna play this year where are you gonna play this year and let's kind of see if we can continue having these conversations long distance when you're not even in a relationship so right. lots of weirdness <laughs> yeah because eight months out of the year you're somewhere far across the world yeah and the other part you're on the other side of the country because our national teams are not together so it's it's difficult so you two are both playing in france this year yes you said this is the first time you're playing together first time we are both playing in the same country last or I guess this spring um, he came with me to Puerto Rico and the year before he also came with me to Peru but ended up going to play um, for two months in this new strange India league so he was kind of able to play that year and then the years before that we were both just playing on separate sides of the world um, the year oh yeah the hardest year I think he was in Germany and I was playing in Indonesia um, or Austria and so that was just like full change of time zones and it was yeah. just hard to communicate even so that was that was the biggest challenge at New Year's we met in Abu Dhabi just because it was halfway <laughs> <laughs> casually randomly across the world um, well so we were kind of talking about like the mental side of this is it nice to have him here to help with those tears and crazy things and have that support system with you yes he likes to remind me that the years that he's come with me i haven't sat on my bed and cried 
although the apartment in Peru wasn't wasn't awesome, but at least again there was somebody there to help (laughs) with those feelings and for sure we we adopted a puppy also earlier this year in Puerto Rico so she's with us here in France so I mean even if you don't have that support system here somehow making your home as comfortable as possible I think is also like a huge mental uplift Um, there was years where I didn't spend like a cent on my apartment because I was just like we're not gonna I'm not gonna be able to take this home I'm just paying for it for the next six to eight months but then there's years that I did kind of um, invest some money into making my apart home apartment home and it has like huge psychological effects because it's just a place that you are coming you can feel okay like and comfortable um, regardless of how volleyball has gone or what your coach is doing or how practice was but um, for me, yeah, of course, like having him and my pup here is like normal life at home, which definitely, definitely helps. Well, there's like so much more that we can talk about this, <laughs> but um, we're kind of out of time. But thank you for chatting with me. Part two coming up I soon. I know, yeah. You might have to. All right, thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. As always, subscribe, comment, and share with all your friends. You can find us on Instagram at Too Tall For You Podcast. Thanks again, and catch you next time.